Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome back to another edition of Nothing But Airtime. As always, I am your host, Cole Rains, and we have quite a quick one for you today. Not much NBA to talk about. We had the All-Star Weekend, so we'll start off with some news from that. We have the Blake Griffin news we'll break down. And then I have the idea of mid-season Tinder takes where I'm swiping on five different takes or entertaining teams, whatever you want to call it. We'll get into that after news. Close out the show with some trade rumors, trade talk. We're some of the bigger players might end up if they will get traded even. And then, of course, it's Tuesday, so we have the Reddit question of the week. As always, we'd like to thank our friends at Anchor. Without them, we would not be here, so a quick moment for them. Before we get into the All-Star game, obviously the big signing, the big buyout, whatever you want to call it, Blake Griffin is now a Brooklyn Net. I believe it is a $2 million deal for the rest of the season, one year. I don't know what the fit is. I know when you put anybody alongside of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, they're going to flourish. As we, I spoke to last week with Joe Harris and Bruce Brown, they have flourished. So I'm expecting Blake Griffin to kind of have a rejuvenation. Now, I granted, I know he's had health concerns. I believe it was four or five surgeries since his time in L.A. I know he's not dunked the basketball in 2019. Maybe we start to see that come back. I know this season was a little bit off for him. They brought in Jeremy Grant to be the new face. And he kind of slowly weaned out of Detroit a little bit. I believe he's only having 12 points, five rebounds, 20, 22 minutes a game. I mean, I believe he only played 12, 13 games. So he's been in and out, sat out since he, before he got bought out. He's had a bad start. We'll call it what it is. But when you get into Brooklyn, anything can change when you play alongside one of the three of the best offensive players in this game has ever seen. And if he can just kind of capture a little bit of what he was two years ago in the 2018-2019 campaign, he was 25-7-5, he was an all-star, he shot 36% from three. If he can get some of that back, it's a wrap. Give it to the Nets, it's over. I don't know, three-point-wise, he's been always just kind of around that 33-34% mark. He's not going to be the most efficient from three. He's not going to be the most athletic on the court. He might be a defensive liability come game time. I don't know because – Maybe a new face helps him. This is a very interesting signing. This is one we're going to have to watch it play out because I can be a skeptic and say, oh, what about his knees? What about his ankles? Is he going to be able to hold up on this team? Or I could be a believer and say, hey, he's alongside these three great offensive players. If you told me five years ago you had Kyrie, KD, Harden, and BG on a team together, I'd say, oh, my goodness, does the NBA have like eight teams? You know, so – there's always that aspect of it too, where you know Blake Griffin has the talent. It's just a matter of getting back to there. And now that he's in Brooklyn, I think this would be the place to do so when you have all the defensive attention fo- focused on those three all-stars, Harden, Durant, Irving. BG can kind of get back to some not true form, that 25-7-5 and five I spoke to in Detroit, but maybe a 15-5 and five shooting efficient from three, as we've seen Joe Harris and Bruce Brown do. I mentioned the three All-Stars, Harden, Durant, and LeBron. Team Durant ended up losing the All-Star game on Sunday to Team LeBron. Giannis was the MVP of the game. Pretty pretty incredible game from him. Did not miss a shot. But, hey, I'm a Giannis guy. I'm a Milwaukee guy. Maybe Dame could have taken it. He looked pretty impressive in his 20 minutes of play. He had 32. Uh, but the ones the, – the, what basketball heads are talking about is LeBron James as a GM. And I'm going to speak to this as a minute. He's 4-0 in an all-star game as a captain. We have seen him put together teams in Cleveland on a fly and take them to the finals. He likes guys. You saw him in L.A. He liked KCP. He's a clutch, 
clutch guy. They wanted to keep Caruso. You kind of see him kind of manipulate the team, say who he wants to play with. We've kind of seen LeBron GM a, a little bit. We've seen flashes. Come All-Star game, you see what he wants to do. He wants to play with Steph. He wants to play with Yoki. He wants to play with Giannis. It was pretty evident that he wanted to play with Steph. But looking even back further, I believe it was 2016 or 2017 when Giannis was first getting into the All-Star game. LeBron saw the vision, saw that he was going to be a free agent, took him first in the draft, and he did the exact same thing this year. So he kind of had the vision a long time ago with Giannis trying to recruit him to L.A. Didn't get him there. Obviously, Milwaukee re-signed him to that mass monster extension. But, hey, LeBron knows what he's doing. Future LeBron is going to be a great GM, and I'm looking forward to it. Three-point contest and the dunk contest and the skills contest at halftime, little disappointing. I'm not going to lie to you. The fact that we had two big men closing out the skills competition, not really what I wanted to see. Seeing a guy like LaMelo Ball there would have been awesome. De'Aaron Fox show off that young talent that the NBA is kind of nursing. The dunk contest kind of had a little bit with Anthony Simons, excuse me, Obi Toppin. And I believe it was Cassius Stanley in Indiana. I mean, Cassius Stanley hasn't really played in an NBA game yet this season. I believe he was a G leaguer, but he had a pretty good dunk. Uh, probably the best one I saw of the night. I like Simmons, Simon's kiss dunk. But uh, overall, I just thought it was a kind of disappointing skills competition. The highlight to me was probably Steph winning the three-point contest, watching Steph shoot three-pointers at an incredible rate, hitting as many as he can out of, I believe it's, what, 25 balls. It's just, I mean, as a as a shooter, as a guy that likes watching pure basketball being played, it is what I want to see. Uh, him and Conley were battling it out. It's came down to the last ball. Fun stuff, fun stuff for the three-point contest. I think it was the highlight of the All-Star festivities. The game itself was not bad. Could have been better, but hey, it is the All-Star game. We got to see all the biggest and brightest stars on the court play together. Overall, I'll take it for what what, what it was, so... After the break, we don't have much basketball going on. We've got basketball coming on Wednesday night. So I've got this idea. I have five takes that I've been squatting on. It could be about basketball itself. could be about different entertaining teams, title contenders, MVPs, trades, whatever. The mid-season Tinder take segment after the break. A big problem in basketball right now has been the replay review. And this has been at all levels. It has not just been in the NBA, but it is kind of sprinkling its way into the fourth quarters. And I'm swiping a hard left. I, I, I'm swiping a hard left. I get you want the right call, but it just takes too long. I believe it was the Wisconsin and Iowa college basketball game, Garza, Wisconsin, big, big 10 matchup. And the last minute, minute and a half, if you may, was about 12 to 15 minutes real time. With replays, I mean, there were tipped balls out of bounds. There were fouls. There was a flagrant. Is it uh, technical? You know, why? I feel like the 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 room to just get a re replay review, and I'll say this even at the NBA level, is ridiculous. If you think you're fouled, you can just give you the, the circle it up motion to the referee, call the coach over, be like, hey, can you challenge that? Or, hey, can we review that? And they will. And I get it's player empowerment. You want every right call. But it's making the game unbearable. How can you sell a product when you're like, hey, first three quarters of an NBA game, awesome. I love watching them. You got ball movement galore, not a lot of fouls called. There's not a lot of replay review. But that last two minutes, you know, when the game's close and it's decided in crunch time, we're going to make it a 15-minute experience and the refs will look it over for so long and they'll look on these seven-inch monitors 
And if it's if they don't know what the right call is, they do what they feel is the most confident and they confirm the call. And it's not always right. It's frustrating to watch as a basketball fan. And I believe Rosillo was on it today. Bill Simmons was on it today. Big Cat was on it today. And part of my take, there are plenty of talking heads on it. It's not what you want to see in the game of basketball. The game of basketball is supposed to be fluid. It's supposed to be fast moving. It's supposed to be fun. You watch the 1980s and 90s. Granted, there were some hard fouls, but there wasn't a lot of stoppages in play. And the viewership was high, and there wasn't a lot of complaining coaches, and there was more technicals. And I think that's what we kind of should go back to. If you're going to call, if you're going to question the call, okay, I get it, but it doesn't have to be every play. And it doesn't have to lead to a review every play. I mean, it's ridiculous. Chris Paul is the king of it. LeBron's the king of it. And and I and I get that's like high basketball IQ. You know you didn't touch it, or you know it was off a guy's foot, or oh, you know he raised an elbow. That's not a blocking call, that's a charge, and you want to challenge it. But it's game 47 of the regular season. And I know I emphasize how important seating is, but you want to talk about diminishing audience. The NBA has seen it a little bit, and I think that's part of the reason why. No one wants to watch an NBA game that's so fast-moving in the quarters that don't matter. And then, well, I, well, I like watching them, but like to the common fan, those quarters don't matter first and second. Come that third, fourth quarter when it's getting crunch time, those viewership probably goes up. I don't know. I don't have my hands on the trigger, but the viewership goes up, and what happens? We get more missed calls that lead into more replays, and those replays become 10 five, 10 minute affairs. We've got ads rolling through them. It's not what I want to see at the game of basketball. I heard a good idea today. Maybe give a, give a replay review that has a clock on it. Cause if you can tell that, okay, it was off this guy's knee in 15 seconds, call it right away. We don't need reassurance. I get like, if there's like less than 30 seconds, you want the timing to be correct, but it should, it should be clear cut. 15 seconds, 24 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever you may, it should be clear to make that decision right away. Scratch the two, three, four, five minute ad overlays that have cover up for all how many replay reviews there are. Players should get a certain amount of challenges per game as the coaches should as well. There's ways to limit this. I'm interested to see if they do, because obviously you want the game called right. But when you look at how long it takes is it worth it? That's my question to you. Swiping over to entertaining teams. This is a quick round. I've got a list of six, three Eastern, three Western. Six teams I have kind of watched this season. I thought they'd be entertaining at early. You know, the league pass teams, a lot of bloggers and basketball lovers call them. I am going to start off with my favorite team to watch this year. And that's the Utah Jazz. I know I've been critical of Rudy Gobert. I know I've been critical at if they can make the finals. But what I'm not critical of is the fact that their ball movement, their style of play, looking for the right shot, the four-second mentality that those like 2014 Spurs team had, you know, always looking for that right open look. It's fun basketball to watch. The Warriors had it. The Spurs had it. Everybody has it. It's awesome. Well, every successful team has, I should say, it's an awesome brand of basketball to watch, kind of a throwback, if you may. You have your lead scorer, Donovan Mitchell. You have your defensive banker, Rudy Gobert. And then you just have a lot of smart IQ basketball players. I love Mike Conley. Bogdan Bogdanovich is pretty good. Joe Ingles is a high IQ guy. Royce O'Neal's versatile. Derek Favors high IQ. Jordan Clarkson's a spark plug off the bench. They kind of have roles that fit and mesh, and it's really fun to watch. So I'm swiping right on the entertainment factor for Utah. 
a team staying out west that has not been good this year, and we'll get to them in trade talks after the Tinder Take segment. But the Sacramento Kings are always a swipe right for me, but they're bad. But you know why they're fun to watch? Because those games are high scoring. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. They are one of the worst defenses in the league and one of the best offenses in the league when it comes to scoring from the three-point line and pace and fast break points. They get up and down the court fast. It's how basketball is meant to be played, up and down, transition style, looking for open threes, dunking the basketball. I like watching De'Aaron Fox lead that team. I'm swiping right on the Sacramento Kings. The New Orleans Pelicans, I'm going to swipe left on until, as of recently, I spoke to how they've been using Zion and Lonzo Ball has kind of reemerged as that prospect we all kind of expected to. But Zion has, up until then, Van Gundy kind of didn't give the keys to Zion, if, if, if you may, if that's what you want to call it. Um, it was kind of the Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram isolation style show. And, and Ingram was a good player, don't get me wrong. He's a great number to design, and we're starting to see that. Now, it's been, a, it's been a minute, but I think there's a clear pecking order out in New Orleans. And until this pecking order was found, I'm swiping left on the entertainment factor, but give it a couple of weeks and I'll be watching them every game. I love watching Zion go to work. A team I'm going to go, I'm going to head over to the east now. I have two rights and a left. And I'll start off with the left. I don't like watching the Atlanta Hawks play. It is the Trey Young show and it is driving John Collins out of the town. It drove out Lloyd Pierce. Trey Young is a otherworldly talent. I love watching him get hot, obviously, from three. He is a spectacle from deep threes, kind of like Steph is. But team basketball-wise, it's not a, a lot of fun to watch. He holds the ball late in the shot clocks. He kind of gives out bailout passes that are – you see uh, Gallinari's three-point percentage is low. Kevin Herter's three-point percentage is a little bit low. That's because Trey Young's giving it to him at the end of shot clocks and expecting for it to happen. Now, I granted, I don't know who else is going to be a ball handler there, but something's got to shake out in Atlanta because they are not a lot of fun to watch right now. Trey Young's got a little too much power, I'd say. It kind of earned it, kind of not. They haven't really won anything. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline with John Collins, which we'll get to. But I'm swiping left what I've seen out of the Hawks. And the two rights, I'm going to swipe right on the Charlotte Hornets. I love LaMelo. I think he's been awesome to watch. They have a lot of fun pieces. Airbnb with Bridges is a lot of cool, pretty fun. Malik Monk's kind of having this resurgence. Great to see. And then I love what Levine's doing in Chicago. 30 points a game. Been awesome. Kobe White's kind of having a resurgence. And I have a fun little trade for them in the trade talk segment. Um, the third take that I will be swiping on are the Jazz as a title contender. And for right now, I'm going to swipe left. I'll believe when I see it. I know I said I love watching them play. I love watching the ball movement. And there's been comparisons to that 2014 Spurs team. But they still have to go through a, a combination of LeBron, Kawhi, Jokic. If Luka's there, they have to go through Luka. They have to go through Dame maybe. There's a lot of players that I think every team that Utah plays, they're always going to have the second and third best player, in my opinion, unless they're playing the Lakers or Clippers with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. If they see, I don't know, a, a Denver or a Dallas or a Portland, I think Mitchell and Gobert are two and three, but I don't think they will have the best player in that series throughout the playoffs, and I think that is something that is going to worry me come playoff time. I don't know, though, because – as a team, they're very good at limiting turnovers. They're efficient from the three-point line. Their paint D is awesome. It makes me want to like shove all my chips on the table with them. They look great. They're currently the number one seed. I just will not pick against LeBron James. I did it last year with the Clippers. He screwed me over, and I've done it in the past when he was out in Miami, when he was in Cleveland. I won't do it anymore. Until he proves me wrong, I'm just not going to pick against LeBron. So I don't think the Jazz are a title contender. I'm swiping left. 
Joel Embiid as an MVP is another thing I'm swiping left on. He had to miss the All-Star game due to COVID, him and Ben Simmons. I don't know how much time he's going to have to miss, but he probably will have to miss at least a couple games. Jokic, Braun, Dame, Luka, here's your time. Your teams are getting hot. Jokic and Braun and – not Braun, Jokic, Dame, and Luka, your teams are starting to crawl into that Western Conference playoff conversation, and you are the reasons why. So you are currently MVP favorites for me. Obviously, Embiid's the clear favorite right now, but as the season creeps on, other faces are going to emerge. Other teams are going to get hot. Maybe the Warriors get hot again. We see Steph's name thrown back into the ringer. Maybe the Bucks climb up to the one or two seed in the East. We see Giannis's name in there, especially with missed time. Who knows what this COVID thing is going to look like for Joel. Other faces are going to emerge. I still got hope on that Jokic future for the MVP when I jumped on it early in January. We will see how that will shake out. A thing I am swiping right on, I've been kind of left happy with replay reviews, the Jazz as a title contender, and Joel Embiid. I'm swiping right on this year's trade deadline. I think it's going to be pretty active. There's a lot of big names. And a reason I think we're going to see a pretty active trade deadline, we've got a lot of restrictive free agents coming on to the market. We've got a lot of free agents coming into the market. And you're going to see some teams make some moves because it does feel that weird year where maybe LeBron isn't going to get it. Like I said, I'm not going to pick against him. But they're currently the three seed. Davis is battling injury. The Clippers don't look like world beaters. Right now, the Jazz and the Suns are one and two in the West. Weird things can happen. So I think if you're a Denver, if you're a Miami, if you're a Boston, you make a move. You put all your chips into a, a third option with your duos, and you just push it all for the NBA Finals. And I'm expecting it to be a very active trade deadline. So I'm swiping right on that take. And the reason I'm swiping around on that take, obviously I've said, are there stars in the, in the market and there are some above average role players in the market? And we'll get to those guys right after the break. So I mentioned the big names on the trade, kind of mill, rumor mill, if you may. Uh, Kyle Lowry has been making waves and he sold his house in Toronto. Ryan Russillo said Lowry is expecting a trade. I got one for you. They were talking about on the Bill Simmons podcast today. The Denver Nuggets could use a Kyle Lowry, and they have pieces that they could make a trade with. Gary Harris has a decent amount of money. It's just a matter of what the Raptors want alongside of him. I know the Nuggets have some picks. I know they have young guys like R.J. Hampton, Bull Bull. I don't want to see a guy like Michael Porter Jr. in a deal. I would try to get that veteran presence that would bring out the best in Jamal Murray, bring out the best in Nikola Jokic. I think you see that with Kyle Lowry. And Kyle Lowry is a guy we see led a team to a championship. When you look at what he did with Toronto and Kawhi, Siakam, he brought the best out in those guys, and I think he could do the same for Denver. You have guys like Porter Jr., Jokic, Will Barton's there that's young and kind of fun. Monte Morris is there that's young and kind of fun. Maybe he's a piece that would have to get flipped in that deal as well. Who knows? But the Nuggets have a lot of pieces to trade, and with a guy as proven commodity as Kyle Lowry, I, per, I personally believe he makes them into that final contender that they hoped to be at the beginning of the season. He's going to bring the best out. Every guy He's going to give his heart every game. We see that with the charge numbers. We see that with the hustle stats. I just think put him in Denver and you've got a championship team. The other rumor for them is the Miami Heat. And I don't know what I'm feeling about that one because when you look at Miami, they, they have Goran Dragic. He'd probably have to be in the deal. Kendrick Nunn might have to be in a deal. Casey Acapala is a young guy that they could probably shoe in that deal. I, I don't know if Lowry pushes the bill, and I don't know if the Raptors would be willing to trade him to an Eastern Conference team. You looked at, obviously, Philly had a big connection with him going to Nova. 
And Philly was interested. You pair him with Simmons. I think that looks great. Put Simmons at a, at a, like a forward position alongside with Tobias Harris. It brings out the best in all of those. Lowry can play off the ball and on the ball, which is also great for Denver for a guy like Jokic. But I don't think we're going to see Lowry go east. And I think if Lowry's going to go somewhere, the West could have a possible two teams emerge. I think the Nuggets are probably my favorite team for Lowry to land. But Dallas is another team. You put him alongside of Luka, pure point guard, along with a guy that can play on the ball and off the ball. Both Lowry and Luka can. A lot of fun. Keep your eyes out for Lowry's deal. I spoke to Atlanta, and the reason why I don't think they're very entertaining, John Collins is kind of hit or miss. He doesn't. He didn't. He came out and said he doesn't like playing with Trey Young. Um, obviously, we had the coach turnover there, uh, Lloyd Pearson to Nate McMillan. What is the market for a guy like John Collins? Like, he's currently still on his rookie deal, I believe. But if you trade him along with Snell and Rondo, that's close to about $20 million, So he probably could get a good return in that sense. Does Atlanta want to try to keep him? Does Atlanta want to salvage pieces for him? Obviously, a big rumor that I've heard is a, a Collins-Bagley swap. I think both teams could benefit off of that, that both young talents could benefit off that. We'll get to Bagley at the end here, but Collins is a guy I want to see. Personally, Milwaukee would be great. You put him alongside with Giannis. They both can be that four to five mix. Collins can spread the floor for him, but he also can rebound, play uh, rim defense. But I don't think you're going to see Collins stay in the East if he's traded much like Lowry. Unless you get a good return. I mean, that's the biggest thing. You look at a guy like John Collins, he's a restricted free agent. Atlanta has the opportunity to match whatever team wants to throw at him upcoming offseason. If they feel like they don't have a chance to keep him, I think we'll see him get flipped for the best return. I don't know where the best return would be. I know Minnesota's currently in the mix wanting to pair him with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. I believe the offer on the table right now is Jarrett Culver, some money options, maybe another young piece and a couple firsts. For Collins, maybe a first or a second. There's rumors spreading around that. That's the most consistent one I've seen for Collins. I know uh, my buddy that is a Toronto Raptors fan would love to see him there as well. I just don't know what the market is for him. You have to pair him with Snell and Rondo to get a matchable deal with that money. Something to monitor. I don't think we see Collins in a move, but if he is, that is ground. Uh, not ground. I was going to say earth shaking for the NBA because that makes the Hawks kind of, I don't want to say in a rebuild mode, but they're in this weird sense where they're kind of trying to push their way into the playoffs, make their way into Eastern conference content contending teams, but they've fallen off. They dealt with injuries. If I'm Atlanta, I just keep them, try to try to resign on this off season, figure out what hit ever him and Trey are working with, but sounds like they are, Fielding offers for him, so something to monitor for the Atlanta big man. I spoke to how awesome Sacramento's be, and I have three guys from Sacramento on the team. Marvin Bagley is a guy that has been in rumors, and I don't know how I feel about it. I would love to see him and Collins get swapped, but Bagley just kind of – he might be a player that is new fate, uh, new place for, old, for a new face. Benefits, I know the early – comparison is Chris Bosch and that's a very lofty comparison but he's a pretty athletic guy when you watch Sacramento games early it feels like he kind of gets lost in the shuffle between Heald, Halliburton, Barnes, Fox those guys kind of run the show Bagley's kind of around the rim while fielding rebounds while those guys are jacking up threes and running the floor 
I know there's problems with his father and the team. There's been problems between Bagley and the team. What what's it going to look like a deal for him? Because he's also on a rookie deal. What team's going to want to get a Marvin Bagley? Is it going to be a contending team? Is it going to be a team that's a rebuilding? Personally, a Bulls team would look great with Marvin Bagley. I have a different trade for the Bulls for the next guy up. But Marvin Bagley is a a, a player that could be interesting for a a, a play in team, especially. I don't know if like a Knicks would be great, but a Bulls would be pretty cool. You look at a team like the. I don't want to say the Hawks, but like the Hawks, if you swap him and Collins, I just that's the one I keep going back to. That's the one I keep going back to. I can't get it out of my brain. I think it makes sense for both sides. That's just me. Tweet me wherever you think Bagley will end up. The other two names from the Sacramento Kings, Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. The big thing with the Kings right now is if they want to rebuild or if they want to contend for a playoff spot, they're falling out of playoff contention now. They're kind of falling out of the play-in contention too. And you look at Barnes and Heald, they both make similar money. They're around that 20 to 22 million. Heald's an efficient volume three-point scorer. He takes a lot of threes per game. He makes about 37% of them. Barnes is a proven versatile wing. Shows he can score on or off the ball. Played with Curry. Obviously, he shows like he can score on the ball in Sacramento. His money is not that horrible either. Very tradable money. I'd say Heald's a little, makes a little more than Barnes. So if I was a team, I'd obviously look at Barnes before Heald. But it's also about fit, and I don't think Sacramento would trade Barnes before Heald. I think they'd look to trade Heald before Barnes because they have Heald's replacement in Tyrese Halliburton. Now, I don't know where Heald would look. Obviously, Philadelphia would be a great fit. That's the one I've seen the most rumored with. You talk about uh, Danny Green money, Mike Scott money, and a young piece and maybe a pick for Buddy Heald. You look at a lineup that has Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Buddy Heald, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, and that's a lot of shooting that might be able to keep up with Brooklyn. I don't know. Heald has been here and there, a little spotty this season, 37% from three. Some games he looks great. Some games he kind of looks lost in the shuffle. Sacramento's got a lot of moving pieces I spoke to with Bagley. Excuse me. I would personally love a guy like Buddy Heald on a Milwaukee Bucks team. He would lengthen the rotation. You Take away Bryn Forbes minutes, DJ Augustine minutes. But Heald, I think Philly makes the most sense. I don't know if Heald's going to be traded. I think he's more likely to be traded than the next guy, Harrison Barnes, as I said. Because Barnes, Bill Simmons said it, and it makes sense in my brain. He's a very smart guy. I It was a very good episode with him and Russell actually, about the All-Star game and trade targets. I, I kind of got the idea from there. I have a list of my own trade targets here, though. Barnes would be a great fit in Boston. He would kind of play that tweener between Jalen Brown and Jason Jason Tatum. He can spread the floor for them. He can be pick and roll options, pick and pop options. He's played on championship teams. He knows what that mentality is. You look at Barnes. I personally loved Harrison Barnes out of UNC. I kind of worked out in the Warriors. I mean, they won a championship with him. He's an efficient scorer from the wing. I think he's 48% from the field this year, about 17 a game, 16 a game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but – you can play the three or the four. You can go small ball four. You can go big at the two with him. He is a very versatile player. That shows he can score on or off the ball, as I keep saying. I like Barnes. I think that's the guy I would want to trade for, but I think Sacramento is more likely to trade Heald. Next guy on my list is Al Horford. Al Horford is making a lot of money over the next two years, and he's making a lot of money until I think he's 37 or 38 years old. So this all determines on if you want to win 
right now. Or if you have an expiring contract for about the same amount of money as Al Horford and a guy that kind of has that similar money, I think it's a little less than Horford, Otto Porter Jr. for Chicago. You throw in Otto Porter, maybe a second, maybe a first for Horford. I think the Bulls get a lot better. You can get Wendell Carter Jr., who had a kind of NBA comp to Horford. I think Horford had came out of college a little better than Wendell Carter Jr., but they were compared together. I mean, Hor Carter Jr.'s comp was Al Horford, so getting him under Horford's wing would help out a lot. Horford could spread the four for Zach Levine. He's shown he can play paint defense in the East. Granted, he's got a little more tread on the tires, but I like that fit for Chicago. So Al Horford for Otto Porter in a second. I'm going to mark it down. I think that's my lock. I think Al Horford will be moved, and if he is moved, it is going to be the Chicago Bulls. A guy I'm interested to see is moved, and I keep bringing his name up, him, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross. The Magic have a lot of interesting pieces. The most interesting, of course, Nikola Vukovic. What is the market? Because when you look at a guy like Vukovic, you throw him on a Raptors team, you can throw him on a Dallas team, you can throw him on a Laker team. Obviously, they could use a center. They're in rumored to get Andre Drummond right now. You could throw him on a Clipper team. He immediately makes that team a finals contender, and he makes them a favorite, I'd argue, if he goes out west. Because what he brings to the table, he brings a guy that can stretch the floor, not the most efficient, but for a center pretty well. He can pass out of the post. He plays, I wouldn't say elite defense, but he plays solid paint defense. It's not going to be world-changing stuff down there. But as an offensive center, hard-pressed to find better options, maybe a Joel Embiid, maybe a Nikola Jokic, but he is certainly, I'd argue, a top five center in the NBA and currently on a horrible Magic team. So if you get him on the, one of those contending teams, a Clipper team I'm looking at, especially, who knows? Raptors could use him. Celtics could use him. There's a lot of teams that could use what Nikola Vukovic brings to the market, and that's because he's going to make you a title contender and make you a title contender right away. Two guys in Houston are going to round up the trade talk. John Wall and Victor Oladipo have both been in rumors. I don't know. Victor Oladipo turned down his option, so I think he's probably going to get moved. That's another lock of mine. I don't know what the odds on the trades are. I haven't looked at it yet, but a million-dollar move. Put whatever you want on Victor Oladipo getting moved. I'm pretty sure he will. I don't think Houston's going to want to waste away there. Um, I don't know what his value is going to be coming off a of knee surgery. Same with John Wall even, and the salaries for both those guys are not great, but what they do bring to the table is a defensive-minded guard that can attack the rim. Denver, you look at a team like Denver, could absolutely love a Victor Oladipo pairing him with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Miami's been in rumors with Victor Oladipo forever. I think that's the guy, him and Al Horford, favorites to be moved. So rounding out the trade target talk, we have Kyle Lowry. I'd love him to see in the Nuggets uniform, but we – will monitor that situation. John Collins, I don't know what the market is, but something to keep an eye on. Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Marvin Bagley. Are the Kings rebuilding? Are they selling? We will see fast. Al Horford, I think it's a lock that he's moved. He's played well in Oklahoma City. Maybe he goes to Chicago. Nikola Vukovic, you don't know what the market is because he is a guy that is going to make you a better team, but I don't know how much value centers have right now. And, of course, Rounding out the list, John Wall, Victor Oladipo. Oladipo is my favorite guy to be moved before the deadline. Rounding out the show after the break, we have one of my favorite questions of all time off of Ask Reddit, of course. So the Reddit question of the week coming up here shortly. 
rounding out the show today, beating the buzzer. Usually we have Tuesday tunes. I did not get to a Tuesday tunes this week. I have an idea next week talking about Tuesday tunes, looking at the best TV show theme songs of all time. So be sure to stay in tune for that. Working on interviews with different people, still working with those podcasts mentioned, growing the network. We're starting to get a little bit bigger. You can go follow us on Twitter at nothing but airtime, N-O-T-H-I-N-B-T-A-I-R-T-I-M-E, nothing but airtime. So you can go check out all the stuff there. And this is where the Reddit question of the week will be asked. And the ask Reddit question of the week, if cartoon physics replaced real physics, what are things you'd want to try? So immediately I go to Looney Tunes. I love Looney Tunes. I love the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey, where it kind of encapsulates what would cartoon physics look like in real life. And my first thought is I want to use two paddles to fly. I think the power of flight would be awesome. I've seen Wiley Coyote do it for I many years, and I mean obviously he would fail, and I think I'd be a little better than uh, that coyote. But two paddles to fly is the first one. Painting a tunnel to get to a different location I think would be pretty cool. And then at the same time, tearing down the tunnel when somebody runs into the wall also would be very cool. Uh, pulling anything I want out of my pants pocket, like looking at like a Bugs Bunny Acme gun or Elmer Fudd pulling a shotgun out of his pocket. Not going to pull out a gun on my pocket, but hey, maybe a stack of cash or a basketball if I want to hoop up a little. So pulling anything out of my pocket would be pretty cool. Another one, floating at the smell of certain foods. We've seen it with like pie and cookies and Looney Tunes and different cartoons, SpongeBob, all that. So question of the week, if cartoon physics replace real physics, what are things you'd want to try? Personally, my favorite would probably be flight, but I'd like to hear yours. So tweet at us at nothing but airtime. That rounds out the show for me today. A nice short one. NBA starting up again Wednesday. Got some interviews kind of in the works a little bit. Monitor the trade deadline. A lot of fun stuff that's going to go on. And as always, keep up with the NBA. That's it for me, folks. Have a happy Tuesday.